thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome pilots, you've tuned to the Guard Frequency, because as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 217 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever, recorded on Friday, June 15th, and made available for download Tuesday, June 19th, 2018, over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Ken Shadow. And Tony is making these streams go on when you close your eyes every second of the night. Right, Tony? That's right, Brian. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at GuardFreak or Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so hit us up and tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything on Friday nights, then you should come and join us at 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live over at twitch.tv slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? You want to help us make the best damn Space Sim podcast ever? Please consider supporting the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us week on week. We hope you'll consider joining them because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Just head over to our website and click on the big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping is done, so let's get on with the show. What have we got in store this week, Tony? In this week's Flight Deck, we'll bring you all the latest headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest news from Infinity Battlescape, Elite Dangerous, and Star Citizen. Next, we'll get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDonough on Galactic Public Radio. Then, Commander Kinetic Impulsor locks on for a discussion of missiles and torpedoes in Nuggets for Nuggets. After that, we continue our audio adventure, Guard Frequency Origins, as our pilots continue with their Acts of Grand Theft stapler. And finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Place up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach. Trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. Infinity Battlescape has released itself to Alpha for backers of a certain level. Us peasants will need to wait for a timed test or for the beta opening coming soon. Trademark. Elite Dangerous sent a boarding party to LaveCon in the jolly old English city of West Bridgeford upon Avalon, Shire, Hamptonston, and brought the spoilerific naughties for 3.2 Beyond and Beyond. And Star Citizen has a new ship and is once again caught up in a totally blown out of proportion nothing burger of fake news that should be quashed like a subpoena from a general counsel. Sir, you sound like Mr. Trump. Fake news. Fake news. No, we can start there. We can end there. We had a ton of feedback last week when Ken Shouter and I got into a big fight, so I thought we should have another one. So I found one. 
Yeah, surprise, surprise. I found one we could argue about, so I thought we'd throw it in there. But uh, we can handle that one last. We can take that one first for change of pace. It doesn't. It, whatever you guys feel like. Let's do an order. Let's do it in order. All right. So Infinity Battlescape, right? It's cool that they're actually getting to a level of, of testing that's beyond like the... They have some pre-alpha um, invites mm-hmm. I've seen, but it's like a, it's very few people. Um, but the fact that they're actually getting more people in, I am, I am definitely not an alpha or even a beta backer. I am, I am, I am definitely among the, the release peoples, but yeah, I'm still peasants. excited for the game. I think it, I think it still looks cool. Yeah, no, I think, I think that, uh, it's, uh, I am, it's always, it's encouraging to see little independent studios like this, be able to follow through and watch their progress, you know, descent underground. They, they, I think they officially released, they've officially released on descent underground now. And so, but they still have. Uh, features they want to add and things they want to do to it, so it's 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 good to see when people hit these milestones and are able to say you know give themselves a little bit of a pat on the back, a little bit of a rest, and and then keep going. So, congratulations to the iNova guys, good job. Okay, that's good. That's that's that was good for that one. So Elite Dangerous, they went to LaveCon, but they were missing their their primary community guys because all those guys were at E3 releasing Jurassic World as they should be. Oh my god, that thing the, you know Jurassic World looks pretty cool and they had a they had kind of a monster uh, you know excuse the haha, excuse the pun. Uh, monster booth set up at E3 with you know a, a velociraptor standing outside and uh, you know a bunch of stations set up to to play the game. Uh, so that the, the you know, congratulations to those guys for uh, going to E3 and launching Jurassic World, but the design team went to LaveCon and they brought a whole bucket full of stuff with them. And I put it all in the show notes um, underneath there. But right in the top of the show notes there are... Well, I don't start at what... I think they saw this one last. This is the new ship that they're putting in. This is the Challenger. Um, it's going with that... The, it's a from, from Lacon, which is the, sort of the uh, the boxy um, alliance manufacturer that uh, you know makes things with lots of straight lines and, and, and harsh planes. So they're really going for the F-117 or like Apache uh, helicopter look on these uh, on these ships, and I kind of dig it. But it looks like a smaller, angrier chieftain. Yuck. You don't like that? I dig it. Yeah, it could grow on. I thought you liked the Apache. I thought you liked the Apache. I job. do like the Apache, but... This doesn't remind you of the Apache? No. With the engine pods on the side there and the and the, and the big the bubble on the front with the, with the cockpit? Okay, from the back end it does. The Apache would be more like a Diamondback, right? Right, but that Lacon is that manufacturer, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, all their ships share that kind of aesthetic. So I dig it. It's supposed to be um, another another combat ship, so it should be loaded up with missiles and guns mm. and all that other kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I so, dig it. I could fly that. Yeah, I could be seen in that. Uh, so they had some uh, updates for three point two beyond, um, which was one of the. This ship will be one of those things that uh, are, is going to be in there. But they really sort of hit hard. On Beyond Beyond, and one of those, they, they talked about their anticipated changes for mining and exploration. They're still going to have focused feedback uh, sessions on those, which got pushed back, probably because they're so busy over there. But uh, but they they shared sort of their first initial design pass. And one of the things they're going to be doing is a lot more types of mining. They're, you know, how we had the discussion uh, last week or two weeks ago, where most games, it's a version of shoot something, collect the bits. This time, they're talking about breaking the asteroid up first and scooping the bits out of the middle. They're also talking about shaving bits off the top. Like, if you're not careful, you actually just blow up the bits. So this is where you have to actually shave shave the, the tops of the rocks off of the mountainside or else you'll blow it up. 
and they're talking about stuff that's just underneath the surface. So you actually have to kind of scoop it off, scoop it out. So there's going to be different kinds of mining depending on what kind of materials you get. And to locate what those kind of materials are, some of them are going to be able to eyeball from the outside. So not all the rocks will look the same. And they're going to have updated prospector limpets as well. So you can see uh, via your on your uh, heads-up display what's different. So they're proposing to potentially make mining more complicated. Do you think this is really the direction they should go with? I think they should because one of the things I think uh, they mentioned is not needing a mining laser for surface mining. And without needing a mining laser, it kind of opens it up for people that aren't kitted out for it. They can still get some materials, but then if they want to really invest in it, they can go and kit their ship out and really start mining and cracking asteroids. It gives you like a whole nother thing you can go and do that could be really involved, or it could just be, let's solve a problem right now. I need a material. So I think that's neat. It gives you variety. So what would you, makes it more of an occupation. How would you mine without a mining laser? You just fire your normal weapons at it? Yeah, I think that's what you do for the surface stuff. I, I'm not 100% on it because what I heard was just kind of hearsay. I think everything we hear is right now. But, uh, yeah, I think that the... Still in the design phase. Yeah, let's call it that. Yeah. yeah. The, that's, not, that's what I mean, not hearsay. It's design phase. But um, without needing a mining, mining laser, I think it would just open it up for a lot of ships to be able to go and grab a material. Imagine like a uh, an explorer... Or something that's only going to carry one weapon for weight, something like that. Yeah, you could you could carry a pulse laser for defense, but then in a pinch you could shoot it at an asteroid, and out would come some geranium or whatever for your jump yeah. your jump range extender. So yeah, so I, I I like I like the direction this is going. The one thing that Frontier always kind of screws up though is they don't make the new gameplay very rewarding. So I'm hoping that they, whatever new things you have to scoop out of the, you know, the gooey middle uh, once you crack the asteroid open, I'm hoping it's a lot more valuable than just run-of-the-mill stuff that you could get from regular surface mining. I mean, I hope that they make, I hope that they incentivize it so that people, number one, try the new system, and number two, can get super rich off of becoming good at the new system. Yeah, well, you're definitely going to spend more time, right, having to do that. Exactly. So it really has to have at least the same payout per minute or whatever the current system has. And and my and my 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 recommendation or my suggestion to them would be make it more. I mean, make it make it doubly valuable or something because because you're trying to get incentivize people to try a different type of gameplay than what you've got out there before. So maybe maybe it's a time limited thing. Maybe it's a you know the uh, the modules are going to be cheap for a while, and then they'll be more expensive. So then it's like you know, get an extra reward, but you get a discount for for doing it first. Maybe I don't know, but they need to they need to incentivize people to try this new system and to stick with it. Uh, and then also, apparently, which is going to be fantastic, they're going to figure out a way to do with multi crew. So maybe multi crew isn't as dead as we thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that people, the, you know, one guy will tell you where to set the charges, and one guy will set the charges, and one guy can actually, you know, uh, hit the trigger. So, so one person so, instead of one person being bored with mining, they now have three people bored with mining. I'll I will I'll let you and Shiv have that discussion uh, later on. Uh, but yes, I think Shiv would have a word or two with you <laughs> to, to say to you. It doesn't all have to topic. be combat. Seriously. Sometimes mining's fun. You know, I, I, I guess I see mining I, I guess I see mining in space a little bit differently, especially with multi crew. To me it would be like one one pilot drives the processor and one drives the miner and one drives the gatherer and they all work together to uh, you know, farm this huge mining venture and and uh, maybe they got a fourth one that's a flying cap. You know, and uh, that to me, that sounds like good multiplayer 
mining. Th- that's not far from kind of what is possible now. I mean, or what will be possible because you could have one guy running the prospector limpets and one guy firing the mining laser or whatever, and then else you know you have the single launch fighter. You have the same like if you have a large enough ship, you put a fighter bay in it, and somebody can be flying combat air patrol over the over the whole thing. So that's the kind of thing I think that they're aiming for. That's the kind of experience that I think uh, FDev is looking to to give you, Jeff. They're, they they they've heard you, Jeff, and they want to help you. That's what they want. That's <laughs> yeah, what they want. right. That's, it's what it, it's what it is. So um, so yeah, that'll be. I think that's those are all uh, fun changes. I'm looking forward to the focus feedback session uh, session on that. Then they also had a bit about exploration, um, where there's going to be. They they said they they focused on there's like one little spot that they want to do, but one thing they showed off a lot of were probes, uh, so that you'll be launching in, uh, uh, probes from your ship. Uh, in addition to the deep space scanner, I guess it is you can you can it's another one of those uh, it's another scanner you can fit on your ship that if you point it at a planet, it tells you what it's made of and stuff like that. So in addition to that, you're going to have probes which give you even more data. Uh, and it will also uh, one of the big things it lets you do is it lets you find all the points of interest. So gone will be the days of actually flying over a planet, looking with your eyeball, trying to find the Thargoid mothership embedded in the crust. Your probe will, if you if you shoot it right, will use the planet's gravity to slingshot around and map the whole surface. Now that's so, cool. I'm gonna say I don't I don't know if it'll detect uh, things that are like surprises because wasn't there a thing where. Uh, some of the wrecks didn't show up on those point of interest scanners at all, so I wouldn't put it past them to make the awesome stuff still not show up on probes because that's what they were doing well, before. Sucks. Yeah, but they no, did no, it before no. with the uh, point of interest. Yeah, I think, but I think that these probes are a way to because there's two schools of thought on this, right? I mean, number one, the first school of thought is, dear God, the story moves so slow and it's hard to find stuff and you guys are purposely playing to hide the ball and it's boring and it's stupid and relies on random chance to, to, for things to turn up. Okay. The second, one, the second uh, side of it is if we make it too easy, we, pe- people will go burn through the content too quickly and we, you know, we, we just can't keep up or they're a small team that can't do weekly updates of, of stuff uh, like that. So the, the two schools of thought are too easy to find stuff we, and, and, and too hard to find stuff. I think this is a nice middle of the road because it's going to depend on, number one, players actually shooting probes at those planets. And number two, it's going to depend on their skill of actually launching the probe correctly so it gets to the whole planet on the first pass. You probably, like, zap multiple probes around it and get it, like, in 10 or 15 passes, but then you run out of probes and materials to make probes. So I think I think it's a balance between letting people find these things without having to eyeball the whole planet and using gameplay elements to add an element to add some difficulty to it so that it's not a gimme so i'm, I'm uh, they also said they also did say that according to these notes that i'm reading that it may not be they may not exactly like tell you here's a thargoid site they may say anomaly detected and it'll be up to you to actually go land on a planet or whatever to investigate the anomaly. that would be awesome it won't, it won't give it away but it'll say weird reading you know and you can further check it out or you can not check it out depending on what you want to do yeah that sounds good that sounds better. Yeah. They also were showing some more space terrain, like lightning and stuff. Um, so that's going to be kind of cool, too. So Lightning uh, you know, without an atmosphere? No, mm-hmm. lightning in uh, anomalies in space. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, come on, Star Trek Two, The Mutara Nebula. Come on. Okay. Absolutely. Anything anything that makes it like Star Trek. Like the Badlands? You know, the Badlands. Like the Nexus, man. The Badlands looked terrible, didn't they? They looked like garbage. Uh, <laughs> they looked terrible. They did. 
Well, you got. I mean, we talk, we talked to Doug Drexler, right? I mean, that the 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 Deep Space Nine era was like the beginning of them using CG. So you know, give them a little bit. It, it, the the problems with the Badlands is it made no sense at all. It's like, why is there a region of space that is like this two D two D plane? Before we diverge too far, there, yeah, there is a right. podcast dedicated to this stuff. So right, 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 right. Because we could also go and talk about the Briar Patch, right? And, and, exactly. Yeah, so so we, there's enough. Star Trek, enough. Star Trek, but yeah, yeah. Star Trek makes plenty of, uh, of of hazardous regions for no apparent reason whatsoever. I mean, I'm kind of happy that Elite's going to do it. But how is Elite gonna put lightning in space? Did they show you? Was there like a picture? There was. I think there was just a picture. I didn't watch the entire stream. I didn't have time. But I just I looked at uh, uh, screen caps and, and and people's summaries and stuff. They showed some really cool ground terrain too. The uh, the beginning of the new ice planets. They didn't have all of the like mountains and rocks up there yet, but they had new shaders that show the way the ground looks transparent and cracked and looks really really cool. Um, I think it's a little more polished looking than you would actually see in Ice Planet. I don't think it would be polished looking like this, but it's a really neat looking effect. So, do they they cool. say anything about atmosphere and planets yet? I don't think that's going to be happening no. anytime soon. I don't know why it's so difficult, and I hate to say that and sound like I just don't know anything, but I, I feel like it's something that we should have at this point. Lots. Of I mean, games have they it. have misty planets. They have mist on planets right now. You know, crank that up. Right, but I think that part of the problem is that it's it's they want to get it right and done universally in a way that fits in Stellar Engine. Yeah, I mean, I think they, if they wanted to handcraft each individual planet in a certain way, I think it probably wouldn't be any problem. But I think they're trying to make it work in the Stellar Engine. Yeah, and I don't mean like to if, simplify their task. I know it's difficult, yeah. but I want it so bad. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, we, we we do all want it uh, uh, very badly. Speaking of mist, some of the things that is coming that are coming in chapter two, um, Thargoid infected human sites, which will probably I think when the picture I saw it'll be covered in kind of that caustic cloud sort of stuff uh, that the Thargoids are always spraying around. So we will get uh, some more of that, if not atmospheric physics effect. Are the Thargoids the new Zerg? The Thargoids are the old Zerg, man. They're like the OG Zerg. They're from 1984, brother. That's way before uh, StarCraft. They're the original. My understanding is they're from millions of years ago. Millions. Uh, So they are super OG Zerg. Like, like way OG. Uh, We're also getting some additional big guns and megaships are getting more interactions and damaged megaships will have interactions too. And as I said before, the, uh, the Challenger a thing, uh, so that's 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 coming up in the short term. The other stuff we talked about, mining ex- exploration, and uh, the art uh, uh, improvements that Henry was mentioning, those are all coming uh, at the end of twenty. When you say mega ship interactions, well, are you thinking are they going to be like part of events where they're fighting or something like that? Or no, no, no. There's mega ships kind of scattered around the the, the in game universe, and right now they're sure. just eye candy. Some of them have right. like like recorded logs you can go up to and, and download their logs and stuff but they're going to have they've got I think now some uh, some interactions like you can you can break into their cargo bays if you're a pirate or you can you can do some other interactions with they're going to add more mm-hmm. of those and they're also going to uh, increase the variety of ships you can interact with including some disabled ones well you're missing part what the uh, the uh, interaction that they're adding to the disabled ships that I saw is a way to pop uh, stuck escape pods and do rescues. So you go in there and hack the system, oh. and then the escape pods yeah. are thrown out. 
and then you can save the crew, which is so guard frequency. I mean, that's really that's cool. So guard You're, that's, uh, that's, I didn't see yeah, that, so, so some, thank you for mentioning some, uh, some of those missions are going to be great. I hope they're actually tied to missions, though. So it's like, go here and do this. Rather than yeah, just stumbling upon the ship and having yeah. to do it. I'm glad you stepped in and mentioned that because, yeah, it's a very guard frequency thing. And, yes, FDev, if you're listening, please include missions at a mission board that says, hey, there's a disabled mega ship here. Go bring me six escape pods. That's, that is good stuff, number one, because escape pods don't pay very well. And, number two, you know, I don't go hunting around random planets looking for broken ships. I, I think it's much more realistic, quote, quote, to be sent to, to send one. Hey, we haven't heard from this ship. They were supposed to be at this system. We lost contact with them, you know, two days ago. We think they're they're destroyed. Bring us escape pods. So uh, that, that, I think that works well. Or uh, there's also the opportunity for salvaging, like, you know, rescuing their cargo out of their cargo bays, which I will use as a segue <laughs> to talking about the new Star Citizenship, the... Venture. No, Vulture. Vulture, yes. The Drake Vulture. Vulture, not the Venture. Not the Venture, which is going to be our fight later in a little oh, bit. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes, so, Vulture. Take it yeah, away. So it's a, it's a <clears throat> intro career, not intro, uh, not starter ship, but it is a starter career ship. And they make the, the for salvaging. And they make the differentiation here, meaning that it's not something you're going to get uh, for buying your $45 pack from Star Citizen. It is something that... You, if you're in-game and you've been playing for a while and built up some money and you're like, I want to get into salvaging, this is the cheapest way you can get into salvaging with a dedicated ship. Um, and so the the original description of it, when they, they had a big vote, and this is where this ship came from, they had a, a bunch of different possibilities for some Drake ships. Um, there was like this really cool one called the Kraken where you could, uh, it was like a, a movable truck stop. And they had a couple other ones. But the one that won the vote was the Vulture, which is this uh, intro salvage ship. Um, the original description had it as a ship in which you basically go up to Rex and then you EVA out of the ship in order to use its tools to cut up and, 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 and take scrap off ships. It seems like they've, they've kind of evolved this a little bit more and that the actual cutting and uh, disassembling of, of the ship does is actually built into the function of the ship, which is kind of what you expect. I thought the whole EVA thing was kind of... Uh, Kind of a bit crazy anyway but the um if you want to i guess if you want to get something off a ship that's intact like you go up to a broken ship and you say oh i see that gun that gun totally works still you can use your vulture to cut away part of it and then you would have to eva out to pull in that one chunk if you see something and you just want to cut it up and you want to turn it to scrap you can do that all from within inside the ship and they, detect, they talked about it on Reverse the Verse. The way it works is that you basically have a special gun that has detonation charges in it. And you fire the detonation charges at the ship. And if you hit it in the right points, and there's certain points in every ship where they break, and you use the right number of charges, then that chunk of the, the ship will break off. And uh, if you have a reclaimer, which is the big, the big ship, you just use the claw in order to do this. For the Vulture, you have to use this ammo. Um, and then there's like these two arms in the front of it will, will basically suck in these uh, these things that you're breaking off the ship and turn them into generic scrap cubes as it goes through. They, they, they had some like stills of like visuals with like these like holograms and lasers and stuff. But the idea is it does something in between the two arms and breaks apart and gets turns into, turns into cubes in your cargo bay. 
the look of it is very um i'm sure tony will, will bring up some some similarities that are in the verse but it is very industrial what? and very uh, construction oriented and um uh, overall the aesthetic is most of the community seems very pleased that it is is appropriate to something that is meant for for salvaging and it also is appropriate for drake as a corporation who is very um hard edges and streaky yeah well before tony lamb blasts us the only uh, you know the, <laughs> the only thing i had a problem with when i saw reverse the verse was that um the EVA, I mean, in, in a technological advanced society like this, the fact that we have to EVA out to pick up these pieces is a little out there, but um, whatever. I mean, Sh- Shiv will have something to say about that because he's still waiting for the tractor beams for the front of his 315. So, yeah, he's, he's still waiting. He's still waiting for his tractor beams. Uh, yeah, I think, well, there will eventually be tractor beams on some ships, and that's not something that they've gotten rid of, but it is a, uh, I think it's a trade off for this particular ship in that. Uh, all of the forward-facing accoutrements are focused on cutting and scrapping. There's not like a forward-facing tractor beam. So, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think that's a design there, oversight. No, it's not. It, it, was, it was literally mentioned in the description before they designed it, right? It was mentioned in the text that you have to EVA as part of the ship. And the my I think the reason they did it is because they're one of the few games where this is easy. Right. If you want to EVA in Star Citizen, you hit a button and then you're EVAing right next yeah. to your ship. It's very easy for them. So they, I think they, they thought, well, why don't we just build that into the gameplay for at least one of these damn ships where you have to EVA as part of the ship's job. And that- yeah, but that just you know, in in a real world situation that that you never, I mean, EVA is the last thing you want to do in space is actually get away from your secure metal surrounding glass surrounding yeah. spaceship. I agree. It's artificial. I think that they made a point, though, is that if you're just doing scrapping, you don't need to EVA. You know, it's only if you see that prize gun that seems to be working, you need to go EVA. So the the the, the, the controversy that I want to bring up completely artificially, just for fun, uh, is, is that there is a strong resemblance. Uh, this design has a strong resemblance to a, an EVE ship, a ship in, in the game EVE, called the Venture. So the Vulture looks a lot like the Venture. And they, I think they have similar jobs. I don't know what the Venture is, a salvage ship or a mining venture ship. Is, no, the mining Venture ship. is a cargo ship. Cargo ship. Well, whatever. I mean, so they have, it's a utility type ship, right? So it's the same, you know, it's not It's it not a combat yellow. vessel or a it carrier. It has a lot of the same bulges. Some of them have yellow. Well, what what got me, and I, and, and for my fellow hosts, I, I put a link in the, uh, in the show notes uh, to a GIF. Where they, where someone, some enterprising internet soul, overlaid a sort of pencil drawing of the vulture on a sort of it looked like an in-game <laughs> screen capture of the venture, and yeah, the resemblance is kind of uncanny. <laughs> I mean, it's a little, it's kind of ridiculous. Now the greebles are different, and the cockpit position is a little no. higher and a little bigger. I mean, there, there are, there, there are. It's if you look at them side by side, they're Same-sies. not the same ship. But, but the proportions, the placement of like the thrusters versus the mandible grabby thingies, and and the way it all sizes up, it's and and I might not even have brought it up. I might not even brought it up, except for this. And this is what I want. I want to like you know have have some fisticuffs about, and we'll go around the table on it. This isn't the first time. It's not the first time. It's according to how you count it. it might be maybe that might be the fourth or fifth time. For me, I'm going to say it's the second. Uh, because we talked about just a few weeks ago on this show the uh, the Aegis Vulcan, aka the Lake on Type Six, 
aka Hello Vulcan, you know, the Vulcan Hello uh, thing that we talked about a few weeks ago. Where I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is another instance of of CIG either a borrowing trouble or b not managing their processes well because this is awfully close to another IP another IP's property. So I, this is I think this this is another one of those own goal situations where if you they if somebody been paying better attention this might have been avoided, and I think that this is it's becoming a pattern. You know, once is a fluke, twice is a coincidence, three times is, is a pattern. So we're on, to, by my count, this is number two, and I'm waiting for number three to come on. So I want to I go around the table and talk about this sort of, like, ship similarity problem that CIG appears to be having so right I, now. And I'll open look, that up so to the So go ahead and look at your, your, your Google chat, Tony. I just posted three other examples that are very similar designs from three other. Oh, it's your fault that kept on beating. Yes. And those, your fault. those okay. first two are from Chris, other Chris Roberts games. One of them is Privateer, and I think one of them was a uh, one of the Wing Commanders. I don't remember which one. And obviously, the last one is from Blade Runner. So this this entire concept of these arms in front of the ship is not a new concept. It is very it's a very old concept. And as they showed in the RTV, um, this was actually a late the, the until until the late in the design, the um, the arms were hanging down on that ship, and they just towards the end they kind of flipped them up. So it was in order. They showed the organic process that ship ship came out. Unless they totally lied and manufactured all of those images post haste after that tweet, uh, it was an organic process, and it seems to happenstance that it looks like a Eve ship. I think that's gonna happen. Honestly, I don't think it's that big a deal. Even if they were like, "Hey, it's kind of the same shape. Let's do this kind of the same shape." It's not. It's not so similar that it's a ripoff. Honestly. I mean, I look at the sketch and it overlays quite a bit, and I can see the artist took a lot of like inspiration from that ship, even. But it looks different enough. It's it's even the the shape of the modules and the textures, all that makes a difference. I mean, it's really a different ship. When it comes to spacefaring, human beings and ship designs, no matter what universe you're going to be in, you're going to have a lot of similar designs based on on uh, stuff that. Uh, that people do. I mean, I could go to uh, TV shows like Space 1999 or uh, movies like 2001 Space Odyssey and and pull similarities right out of them um, long before these games were being made. So I, I, I were influenced, I think, by the television shows and the, and the stuff that we've seen as kids growing up. And I think that uh, there's not mu- there's not going to be much deviation in the way ship design is going to even in the real world. So, so okay. Well, uh, thank you. That good input. And I, I just want to close it out because we were kind of I don't want to run too much longer on time. But so the question I throw out to anybody else is: is this is this a, is this an inevitability? Are there so many ships in Star Citizen now that they're bound and determined to like cover the same territory, and especially because all the different functions they're trying to do? They're going to overlay something else that somebody else has already done? Or is it a symptom of people not being aware of what is going on with the rest of the IP? Left hand not knowing what the right hand's doing until it's too late to, to, to back it off. Um, like I said, it's, if it's, not, it's not a fluke anymore. This is the second time that, I'm, that we've covered it on this show that I've, I've been aware of it and seen. And so it's, it, it seems to me that there is a problem here. I'm not quite sure what it is, but there's a problem that this is the second time that it's been awfully close. But is it really uh, a problem? 
I think it, I think it is, especially if you want to have your own game. You know, I mean, Elite Dangerous hasn't. When, when I mean, when has anybody looked at an Elite Dangerous ship and gone, oh, you know, that looks a lot like a X? Because or man, that looks exactly like the, a Y. Elite Dangerous ships have their own particular style and look that are all yeah. fairly consistent with each other. I think the problem that you run in with except for Gudamaya, but yeah, there's some there's some obvious exceptions, but but for the most part, you know. Um, you know, flying Doritos and all. They they have a yeah, specific they have a specific thing. He says, "Oh, I see that. That's an elite ship because no nobody else would put a ship like that in a game." Um, right. I think with, with Star Citizen, like their big thing is that we have I don't even know how ten different ship manufacturers, and they all have to have their own ship looks. And then we have aliens, which have to have their own ship looks and own effects. I think after a certain while, you know, you're going to run over other people's IP, um, not intentionally. And it's not even running over their IPs. I mean, it only it only matters if if you put a lot of stock into like the look and feel, like the entire and like, Star the entire does. idea that you showed. Like, okay, we have an elite dangerous ship. It has the arms in front, right? It's almost impossible to make a ship with the arms in front that doesn't overlap with that. Does that mean I can no longer have a ship? Except if you have it flying with the arms down. Well, yeah, they they moved it up. They moved them up front and put them up front because it looked better, right? It wasn't like, oh, I want to make an elite ship. I mean, make make a make it no, make no. an Eve ship. It, it's just it looked better, so they did it that way. And in fact, those arms move right. too. They change to they change position when it lands. So it no, it doesn't even look like that when it's landing. So, but I mean, but they made a stylistic and design choice that happened to just overrun everything else rather than going for their own unique way or have it articulated like you know have an elbow have like, an elbow it in looks it. like other chris it looks like ships in other chris roberts games too that's why i mean everybody's overlapping everybody because it's 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 a basic concept right you're okay, gonna well, run into these problems again i'll let you have the last word i brought it up i'll let you have the last word on it because we're kind of running out of time we need to get to the rest of the show but now that we're caught up on space sim news now let's catch up on space news with galactic public radio Good evening from the Galactic Public Radio on NC. I'm Spencer McDunn, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. Speculation about the connection between recent murders and a controversial engineer has prompted a formal rebuttal. For the latest, we go to Smooth Furnace in the Shinrata Desra system. Thanks, Spencer. Engineer Lori Jameson is famed for her specialized work on spaceship utility systems from a planetary base in the exclusive Pilots Federation home system. She is also a direct descendant of the famed Commander Jameson, the focus of the murderous actions of the League of Reparation. As someone who might have something of a grudge to bear, as well as access to the pilots and ships needed to carry out these attacks, speculation about her potential role in these events has reached a fever pitch. In response, Ms. Jameson recorded a statement for release. She has denied any involvement with the League, stating, quote, Like all of you, I am sickened by this bizarre form of genealogical terrorism, end quote. She went on to demand that the attacks cease, calling the murders, quote, misguided, unnecessary, and evil, end quote. Officials have confirmed that they've investigated Ms. Jameson and have cleared her of any connection to the terrorist group. A statement from senior agent Tanya Ramirez, the federal representative of the Tri-Power Task Force, backed up Ms. Jameson's denial and went further, stating that her family and her associates are, quote, entirely unconnected, end quote. 
The task force also took a moment to quash another rumor that the League may have been operating in secret for decades. A muckraking article by notorious commentator Flint Firemaker LaFosse on the conspiracy theorist net Rewired suggested that dozens or hundreds of unsolved murders and destroyed ships are the undetected work of the League of Reparation. Chief Inspector Kay Kilbride dismissed such conclusions outright, stating that the task force was following more solid leads and they, quote, hope to make a breakthrough very soon, end quote. Are citizens seeing League members around every shadowy corner, or are officials covering up deeper connections they'd rather not acknowledge? From Shinrata Desra, for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Smooth. A fringe religion that worships the Thargoids has emerged. In an article by Dr. Alfred Ulanoff, adherents believe that the aliens are, quote, not merely alien, but divine, end quote. According to the new sect, the Thargoid ships are messengers from the sacred being from another plane of existence, which they call the Far God. They further believe that Thargoids are the Far God's dark angels sent to prepare our dimension for his arrival, and that only the faithful will survive the inevitable apocalypse. In reference to what little is known about the Thargoids, their chapels are reportedly lit with only a few green lights. Their altars are shaped like the outline of a Thorgoid ship and the building, quote, reeks of ammonia, end quote. Many observers have dismissed this cult as merely the latest in a string of doomsayer groups springing up around the bubble, as GPR has reported previously. Dr. Yulanoff disagrees, remarking that this group requires special attention because they, quote, identify more with a hostile species than with their own people, end quote. News feeds continue to flood the airways with updates on the marriage prospects of Aisling Duval. First, Senator Caspian Leopold has ordered the Nephilim Corp to launch a construction initiative for the benefit of refugees from ongoing galactic upheaval. The goal is to build a centralized rehabilitation center to speed resettlement of displaced persons and prevent their victimization by slavers. A spokesperson for Senator Leopold gave the following statement. Quote, Senator Leopold has heard their cries for help and is building a sanctuary where the safety of refugees can be guaranteed, end quote. The corporation has placed open orders for cobalt semiconductors and synthetic fabrics for delivery to Burundi port and Nepal system, as well as added financial incentive for security operations in the system. Next, Yaro Torito, head of the independent anti-slavery charity Universal Liberty, announced that the formal merger of his group with the Princess's personal anti-slavery campaign, the newly merged charity organization, is called Unchained. The former head of Universal Liberty, Mr. Torito, made an announcement to the media stating, quote, I am very pleased that we are joining forces with her campaign to end slavery, end quote. No official announcement regarding the new leadership of the organization was forthcoming. Finally, the princess herself hosted a diplomatic function, which was attended by Federal Ambassador Jordan Rochester. While this is not unusual, the Federal invitation was extended to include the captain and crew of Rochester's ship. The FNS Pioneer is commanded by Juno Rochester, the ambassador's sister. Most commentators have dismissed these stories as harmless fluff. However, several experts consulted by GPR who wish to remain anonymous due to the sensitivity of the issue have a different take. They believe the lack of a clear error to Emperor Arissa Lavinie Duval makes the issue of political importance. 
Given the current imperial ruler took the throne in the wake of her father's assassination, a clear line of succession through the former emperor's granddaughter, Aisling, might become relevant if Orissa's political fortunes change. For Galactic Public Radio, I'm Spencer McDunn. Good night. As you are, pilots, I'm Commander Kinetic Impulsor from Guard Frequency Response, here with the essential tips to get you around the deep black and back home again. Today I'm briefing you on explosive weapons in Elite Dangerous. We noticed some of your rooks having trouble with this and scheduled some training. Explosive weapons are tricky beasts that are hard to use correctly, but doing so can be the difference between your future as a star-hopping beer intake and a huge disappointment to your mother. There are three main types of explosive weapons, torpedoes, missiles, and flak. They're not nearly as popular as multi-cannons or burst lasers, so you nuggets might not have run into them much. Some of you rooks might come from planets that allow recreational explosives, sometimes called fireworks. Let's see a show of hands. Okay, looks like all of you still have all of your fingers. That's a good sign. It means you've learned and successfully applied the first rule of working with explosive hardware. Don't hold on too long. And the fact that you're here and breathing means you've mastered the second rule, get back because two main things differentiate explosive weapons from their kinetic and directed energy counterparts. First, the delivery time. Explosive weapons are heavier and therefore slower than bullets or, you know, photons. And we haven't even talked about the time it takes to get your computer to acquire the target. Second, the blast radius, sometimes called splash damage. Explosive weapons not only cause damage at the point of impact, usually a lot of damage, but also for a certain distance around that point which is why those two rules are important. You want to give the weapon just the right amount of time and a good path to the target. Launch too far away, you're giving the target more time to react with countermeasures or maneuvering. Launch too close, and you're going to lose a finger. Or worse. Now that we understand the difference between these weapons and their more pew-pew counterparts, let's talk about the characteristics of the weapons themselves. Torpedoes are heavy, slow, and hurt like hell if they hit. If they hit. Clocking in at a top speed of 250 meters per second, the maneuver of choice 95% of the time when a torp is in the air is to run. Well, you know, jog anyway. This weapon is really only useful when you have a large ship cornered during a parabolic course change. Okay, remember that one, Nugs? It's when the bad guy ship is turning around, yeah? Okay, now with certain engineering mods, this can be a devastating weapon against heavily shielded ships, but it's a very special use case, and the per-shot credit cost is substantial, so I wouldn't recommend torpedoes for everyday use. Missiles, on the other hand, are a bit faster at 625 meters per second, meaning that your couriers and eagles might either pace or outrun them, but everybody else is in trouble. But they also carry much smaller warheads, but they're also cheaper, so, you know, your mileage may vary. Anyway, both torpedoes and missiles share a couple of commonalities. As explosive weapons, they're generally less effective against shields, so save them until your opponent's acme rings go dark. Second, unless you've mounted unguided or dumbfire missiles, these weapons can home in on subsystem targets on the opponent's ship. Uh, sub Subsystems, right? Uh, right, we haven't covered those yet. Okay, I'll make a note. 
Anyway, if you've got guided weapons, aim for a subsystem. I'm going to recommend the guided version at all times, even if they take longer to lock on and can be spoofed by electronic countermeasures as well as being shot down by point defense, because the return on investment is worth it. And finally, the red-headed stepchild of explosive weapons, the flak cannon. Don't get me wrong, used correctly, there's nothing better for taking out a Thargon swarm than a couple of well-placed, perfectly timed flak shells. But for some odd reason, our modern-day engineers can't fit a proximity fuse to a simple shell, which is a task that humanity mastered around 1,500 years ago. So here's what you have to do. Press and hold the trigger to fire a shell, wait for it to fly to the target, and watch an indicator fill up. And when it's just about to be full, release the trigger and hope. If you're lucky, the target will be in the blast radius of the shell. If not, well, run away because Thargons are nasty. And don't forget, you've just relearned the two most important lessons of explosive weapons. Don't hold on too long and get back. Okay, boys and girls, eat that last animal cracker and change it to your flight suits. Skids up in 10. See you in the deep black. Come on, Mama's not going to save you today. Let's go. You want to fly or not? Let's kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. Now, do you know yes. anything about the contents of a bathroom before we get started, Tony? Are we going to have a problem here? Do we need to? You're not because you're not because unlike the other rooms, everything was in a cabinet or a drawer. This, these people may not be much on stapler uh, maintenance, but they did put away their toothbrushes and uh, combs in the in the bathroom. So, well, uh, but but not but, now. So, well, not anymore. And some <laughs> some water flies out and instantly freezes uh, out of the toilet. So, so there it goes. It's like snow. Yeah, place like the last snack. person flush. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes, bio waste holler. The answer is yes. Was it in the toilet Thank or the God. potty? <laughs> <laughs> it, was there, it was there next to this skillet, smart ass. <laughs> roll me, roll me, uh, not getting I'm killed. I'm outside, guy. I'm outside. I'm just watching yeah, around. Roll me, and not, roll me and not getting nuked from orbit check. What do I roll? <laughs> Doesn't matter, a does D, it, Tony? D10 minus 10. <laughs> all right. So, bathroom, clear. Nothing interesting right. in there at all, unless you want to search the cabinet for like toothpaste and deodorant, if that's the thing that you want to do. I'll let you. I'm happy with my stapler. Happy so. with the stapler. All right, moving on. Round down the corner. <laughs> so, hugging the wall, peek my head around the corner. Do I see anything? There is a door about five feet in front of you. All right. Same, same style, same everything. But there's really no way to get out of the way of this door I, because I was, it's kind of in a tunnel. That's what I was going to yeah. ask. Can, gonna, can you time it? Like I delay can, the opening? You can try. You can, you, you can give it a shot. Uh, I got an idea. Could we... Stand at the corner. Stand on the corner of the end of the hallway and try and depressurize the door by shooting it. I was actually going to suggest something similar. You absolutely can try. That is that is <laughs> that is a fantastic, fantastic idea, guys. That's 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 amazing. How far is it? You, five you know, feet. You know what I'm hearing when he says that is that yeah. there are consequences. You can do whatever <laughs> you I'm want. Hearing, there are just I'm consequences. Hearing, I'm hearing the evil in his voice. Yes, <laughs> I hear that. Is there anything long enough we can push the last button with? Yeah, but you're going to have to cover it with Frisco. All right, so 
So just again, again for 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 sake of the narrative here. So just we've got you got about five or six feet in front of you. It's it's like it's like a tunnel, right? And then there's a door at the end of it. These doors are all they're not like reinforced serious like 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 armored doors or anything, but they're built to withstand emergency decompression issues, right? They're they're built to hold atmosphere in an emergency like the one you guys created by punching a hole in the kitchen. So the, the, they're 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 sturdy, right? And so what you guys have at your disposal are handheld lasers and handheld auto pistols. So, and there are two plans on the table right now. One is blasting your way through these doors. And the second one is attempting to rig some sort of timer. Those are the two options that are on the table at this moment. I'm Feel free to come up with more, but those are the two that I've heard so far. I was going to ask if I knew enough about the panel to uh, try to throw my stapler at it in such a way that it would make it open. <laughs> mm, no. Good, tr- good but, no, but, 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 you, but I mean, there are, you have at your, at your disposal tiny little pieces of metal within the stapler, which may come in handy somehow. Can, can we hack the panel remotely? Dude, like, why do you think I grabbed the stapler in the first place? Absolutely. That's exactly what was going on. I knew that. I knew that. I totally knew that. All right. So you've got you've got uh uh and what was your what was your question, Brian? Can we hack it remotely? The, like these terminal or another, all, or another panel? It's not a Gibson like, guy. <clears throat> you can't hack all the Gibsons. No, this is uh, it's a, it's on an emergency system right now because it's it was over the overrides are engaged because of the emergency depressurization. It's mm-hmm. it's all manual right there at the panel. You got to do something at the panel. All right. Let's see. Uh, let's see Adira get MacGyver it up. <laughs> all right. So you want to you want to MacGyver the panel, and the oh. idea is to. I'm gonna make uh, a suggestions here. I think uh, Red might be better at MacGyvering than Adira. What? We don't know that. We were it's time to have a MacGyver off. It's like a dance off, only with MacGyvering. I don't know. You guys are welcome to MacGyver it up, but I'm going to stand around the corner. Was it security well, or systems? It... Yeah. What, what role would that or be? Repair or what? I think for what you're trying to do, it's not really it's not really security. It's just like an emergency thing, and you're trying to uh, you're trying to make it do something it's not really designed to do. So I think what I'm going to say is this is going to be a systems thing. You're trying to you're, you're you're trying to you're pushing it past what it's designed to do. Okay, I've got a plus two. Oh yeah, I know a bit about these. What what do you want to do? So maybe I can do it. If you if you're not sure, just trying to see if we can somehow rig that without it pressure unpressurizing on all of us. Because <laughs> oh, that would be bad. So like <laughs> like have it open after we get out of the way. <clears throat> yes. Well, I think if I do this and give me one of those son of a <laughs> <laughs> So I'm gonna reroll so that as, one. So as he as he roll as as, as he pokes as he pokes around in the in the uh, in the with the stapler, he almost slices his glove hand open with the pointy part of the staple. But does he pull it out in time? <clears throat> does he pull it out in time, folks? <sighs> That's it. It's a nine. He does. He manages to not puncture his suit glove with the pointy part of the staple. Okay, so uh, as as Red uh, works works through here, he uh, he's able to he's able to see that oh, there's a time function on here. It's like a snooze function, sort of a thing for when you don't want people to bother you past ten o'clock, uh, or it's set to automatically open. Whatever, blah blah. Cross connect stuff. What would he do? He's got a ten second delay on the on the uh, override now. Okay, to the bathroom. 
<laughs> roll, a, roll an athletics check to make sure you don't slip on the floor on the way all the Crisco that you spilled all over the place there. It's Everybody? all over the door jam, not the floor, but okay. Well, you did not successfully get it on the door jam, as we, oh, as we said God. earlier. Oh, my gosh. And he rolled a one. I'm just going to see if I die. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do go ass over tea kettle. He's still covered in it, too. Right? Yeah, he's covered in it, too. You're just unless you want to re-roll it. Down the hallway. I'll let you re-roll it, man. You're, like, you're slipping and sliding. You might be able to catch it if you spend another karma point. Is nah. that your, like, six karma point, this thing? No? All right, you go <laughs> You go ass over tea kettle. Roll me, roll me a d10 minus three. Roll me, roll me a d10 and take three off of it. That's how much damage you take. Five. All right, you take two points of damage from going ass over tea kettle on the Crisco that you tried to slow, slow the floor. All right, as he rolls past me, I grab my stapler back from him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'm assuming I'm, I'm assuming that the 10-second delay is counting down as, as, as this calamity happens going around the corner. Of course. Everybody, Charlie Chapman's down as, the Yes, as this whole thing goes down the corner. Whoa! All right, so you make it around the corner. Door opens, poof, and random crap just kind of flies through there. Screwdrivers, um... Uh, uh, welding parts, just random, all kinds of tools and all kinds of things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chip says Ale stole all the tens yep. at the start of the game. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so various de- uh, detritus of, 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 of uh, workbenches and, and stuff just kind of like scatter down the hall uh, around, kind of bounce off the wall um, uh, opposite the door and clatter to the floor. Uh, nobody takes any damage from it and it all settles down. The wind blows around and then calms and you guys can make your way into that uh, new room. So machine gun at the ready. All right. Should yeah. I come right. in? I thought so, that uh, I got to interject here. I waited outside because I figured this was like a small building to go through because it was the short one we chose. But we've been exploring for like two hours. Should I come in here? If you I, was, this, I, I really was just I didn't think it was going to be all this. this I, neither did I. I wasn't expecting Crisco's and and <laughs> and and uh, and so like. But anyway, but. This is it's the really last room. It's really only been like four minutes. This is this is no this way, is the big room. Like this is the big room. Twenty-eight minutes. Okay, so this is the big room. This is the big room. This is it. All right. I am still hugging the wall and looking around for. All right. So providing any, cover like Red saw in a movie once. Yeah. All right. So you're moving moving in. It's dead silent. There's nothing and nobody and and it's just it's, no air, right? it's big and no air and it's big and empty and panels are sparking everywhere and uh, stuff is in kind of disrepair from when you slagged the wall you can see the remnants of the airlock over in one part um, in the bi- in the middle of the room in the in, which would be the middle of the building are all the 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 guts and base machinery of all the communications equipment that got blown up on the roof uh, that's all in, in a shattered wreck um, basically, the whole the whole thing is just a complete loss. In the corner, near the airlock, is what looks like a big giant charging frame for uh, something huge. And I want everybody who's in the building to roll a heavy weapons check. Five plus one is six. Hey Henry, and look at seven. this thing where vi- I'm videoing and sending you over our comps. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, heavy weapons. Heavy weapons. Three. There's just a bunch of Crisco over the camera. (laughs) (laughs) It's all smeared. You can't really tell. (laughs) Right. Justin, 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 uh, with his uh, roll of uh, six plus one, it looks like 
a robot supposed to go there? Looks like a big robot supposed to go there. God, I gotta hope it's not a robot dog. I didn't well, it's it big. Seven. Have we seen yeah, a, robot. a robot in this room? <laughs> there is no robot in this room. Could okay. be a transformer. Could be that stapler <laughs> you're holding. <laughs> hey, uh, Ale, it's it's not my uh, stapler. <laughs> it's a robot charger. Maybe you can use it for your dog. Yeah, maybe grab it. <laughs> <laughs> this robot Sweet charger, score, man. <laughs> this robot charger ain't going anywhere without a demolition crew, my friends. This thing is. Uh, uh, dude, yeah, what it, do you think we are? Yeah. I, <laughs> I right. think it's safe to say that was it, that whatever was charging right there is probably what made its way over to that medium-sized station or that medium-sized blip. You think it had the? Um, Snowmobile tracks? It, it actually, might have the snowmobile tracks for its feet. <laughs> actually, next to the robot charging thing, you find uh, an, an, a snowmobile and then okay. an empty bay, which is the same size as the bay that has that snowmobile in it. So there's a missing snowmobile. And a robot. Missing snowmobile and, and a, a missing robot. Somebody so, definitely knows we're here, guys. <laughs> So we have some James Bond villains and an Ed 209 to worry about. All right. Is there anything else in this room besides sparky stuff? That is everything's kind of like in total disarray because of the depressurization. Plus what you guys did to it uh, earlier trying to get in. You have wrought destruction and chaos upon the drug dealer communication center. And you should feel proud that you have completely obliterated any chance of them scanning things with radar. No more staplers, and I'll bet their Wi-Fi's down. <laughs> their Wi-Fi is totally down. Uh, so, just checking. Um, there's no weapons lockers or any equipment storage it, or anything like that. You can. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you roll a perception check, but it's not going to be an easy one because this place is in. Uh, in okay, uh, you've you've uh, with a roll of a nine uh, plus plus one plus one uh, <laughs> with a roll of a ten. That's like a medium difficulty. You managed to find uh, three clips. Of ammunition, sweet for suitable for auto pistols uh, uh, or submachine guns. Does anybody else need a auto pistol clip? I'll take one of them. Uh, oh, auto pistol! I have a, I have a submachine gun. So uh, okay, I'll give him two, and I'll take one, and then okay, you there's three, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so he can he can he can jury rig it together so that turns into one thing for a submachine gun. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna wanna help out Ale here. Are there any like robot repair gear thingies or anything like that? Um I want Ale to roll a uh, repair check to describe to Ken Shadow the kinds of things that would be useful. And then and then you roll another perception. Alright, I roll uh, a six okay. plus one. So he tells he tells you the kinds of things to look for, <laughs> and Ken Shadow's like huh? science words with his roll of one. <laughs> Now, now you can re-roll that one as as Henry explains it to you again, slightly slower. As 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 he as he huh. and score and score that natural ten. Natural ten. He goes, "Oh, you meant the doohickey, not the thingamabob." Right. And actually, you. Uh, Man, I thought you said flux capacitor. You said flux capacitor. Totally different things. Uh, so, uh, so what I want. Uh, Go ahead and uh, uh, write down box of robot parts. Just say box of robot parts, and then uh, and then Henry, uh, when you guys meet up with Ken Shadow, he'll transfer that to you. 
and we'll discuss how that works with with your dog at a later time. It'll, cool. It, it'll, it'll be good things. You know, good things will happen because of Ken Shadow's awesome role there. Yay! Okay, buddy. What's on your mind? We're all friendly. So let's just be friendly. Some say he tried to sell a Geiger counter to a pawn shop, but they couldn't test it because of the ambient hawking radiation. But all he knows he's called the Shiv and he'll put together this week's feedback. And in a helpful explanation I'm almost certain was written by Lennon, uh, this is a play on words that's related to the measurement of types of radiation. The key point of the joke relies on hawking radiation, which is a theoretical emission from wormholes and black holes, uh, and it preserves the conservation of information principle, named after the famous physicist Stephen Hawking, who first proposed it, as hawking is similar to hawking, H-O-C-K-I-N-G, meaning to sell or to negotiate. Uh, that's where the joke takes its humorous with a U in it, an extra U, H-U-M-O-U-R, humorous turn. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, I, I thought that was helpful. <laughs> That's great. And a recap of last week's community question. Would you buy a $27,000 Star Citizen Legatus? Leg, Legatus? Leg, leg, Legatus. <laughs> Guess that. Well, I didn't have lab in the in the in the. <laughs> you still got it wrong. Leave. All right. All right. I fine. know. That's what I'm saying. I didn't have lab. Just, in the, just, 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 just finish it. Don't even start over. Just finish it. If so, would you gift it to the shiv? Ken from Chicago writes in and says, once again, Jeff and Ken Shadow is right. Sorry, Tony. That said, Tony, what is hashtag Star Citizen so-called pandering? to whales take away from the players who've spent under $100? What are us mere mortals being deprived of? At the request of the executive editor-in-chief, this audio has been redacted because Tony was very long-winded and started a riot among the other hosts. We apologize and continue with our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> That's good. Longscope replied to Ken from Chicago with nothing. The mere mortals are getting a better game overall with the increased funding. Some dude buying a f- ton of ships affects me not at all. He can only fly one at a time. Replying to a poll Shiv thought was funny that asked, what is more controversial, ship package prices or pineapple on pizza? Peter Wotherspoon replied, I voted pineapple, which I love on pizza. But my Type 10 Defender costs more than 350 million credits uh, to fully kit out. Ouch. Outrageous. How, how much does college cost in the Elite Universe? Uh, I, don't, I think you can only get it if you're, like, connected. I think it's a connection thing. So it's not even money. Yeah. Al R. Griffinborg wrote, would that even qualify as pizza? I it don't does. think so. It, it does. does. It, it does absolutely not qualify does. as pizza. Make pizza it, no. great again. Well, actually, hold on. We need to research this here because that poll Shiv did came within a hair's breadth of being statistically significant. Uh, so I want to see how many, uh, if he's got any answer, if he has enough answers on there. Uh, no, only 30 votes. Uh, it turned out to be 5347 pineapple on p- uh, pineapple on pizza is more controversial than ship price package. We were one vote shy of it being statistically significant, so I'm sorry that question is still officially unanswered. Eleanor Rebel writes in and says, to say that it was a fleet consolidation for Clifford, I think, is a non-troversy. I do think CIG shot themselves in the foot by even making it askew. Tony, yes, you don't get the concierge's emails, but they still do tons of bids and monthly reports, etc. Colin Ford writes in and says, Good evening, gentlemen. I am hoping that there is a solo mode like Elite Dangerous, because if it's multiplayer only, then I know I'm never going to get out of my starter ship because I'm going to get ganked over and over again. 
against backers who already bought bigger and better ships. In my mind, the game is already pay to win, although the $27,000 package may have been requested by the fans, but it does just reinforce the pay to win impression and shakes confidence that there will be an eventual release. It gives the impression that this is a desperate call for more funding and only those who have put in a certain amount can be counted on to help. Uh, and thanks, Colin. I know you wrote in a whole bunch more, but we had to cut it for time uh, concerns. But yeah, thank you uh, for to everybody that wrote in. Uh, I like starting arguments because we get tons of great feedback about it. Uh, so thank you all for, for chiming in and, uh, and keep up the conversation. I think the way that Star Citizen is balancing the ganker aspect of it is that um, they do uh, security based on like, uh, you know, systems like, you know, a high sec, low sec kind of a thing. And I think the, the general thought is that if you're in a stutter ship, you're going to stay in high sec. And so while there may be people out there with better, better fighter ships than you, um, then, you know, you, you don't go where they can, they can blow you up. In general feedback, Dwayne Young writes, hashtag title win. Yeah, collaborative effort between Ken Shadow and I. Well done, sir. And Alex Turner writes in, quick shout out request for the new Buckyball race, Close Encounters, which starts on the 16th of June and runs for one week. Alas, I won't be able to make this one nor listen to the show as I'll be somewhere in the Mediterranean Sea soul system testing the new walking around a ship feature. <laughs> with, a, with a photo of two cruise ships and a... Type 6. Know, it's a Type 6. Type 6 uh, cruising the Caribbean, it looks like. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, the or new walking around, ship, walking around the ship feature. Nicely done, Alec. Well done, sir. Well played. All right, everybody, go check out the Buckyball Race. That's Again, it's that, uh, that emergent gameplay, people finding weird and fun things to do inside the game that wasn't intended. Uh, where Show writes in and says, Thanks for the show. Sorry I misspelled your name, Jeff. I wore out the skip ahead 30 seconds button during the Star Citizen rant. Now that you exist in game, have you given any thought to doing an Anne Seath weekly segment re the RPG? I heard you respond to a listener's comment this week, but I thought the whole thing was recorded in advance. When do you, did you record the RPG segment? Yeah, but now that we're now that we have an in-game thing, will our story take us to Anne Seath? I think we have to do that after we finish the origin. Oh yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we'll we'll get there. Like I said, this is this is the origin story, right? So we, we may do we may do like a couple more adventures. Like this is we're during we're in the middle of our second adventure. We might do one or more adventures, sort of being early on, and then fast forward the clock to more current day. I'm not done with origins yet. But once we do get done with that, we'll fast forward it a bit so that we talk more about Thargoids and things like that coming. So Basically, once a month, Tony makes Henry stay up until 5 in the morning. Yeah. And then and we and have would, enough for, like, four shows. That's right. And I'd feel bad about that if I didn't know you'd probably be up anyway. Henry. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's all right. Mercenary Thorn writes, Just a quick heads up on an indie dev game you might be interested in. Objects in Space at ObjectsGame.com. It's a single-player space sim that is made to feel more like being in a submarine than flying. Graphics are very basic, and it's 2D, but I played the closed beta they just ran and found it good fun. Early access starts on Steam on the 21st of the month. The dev team is small, and I found it easy to get in touch. Twitter should work well if you want to get in touch. He gives the Twitter link. Another interesting thing about the game is that being able to make custom controllers that both send and receive data from the game... Uh, though can just use a keyboard and mouse. And that is all. Enjoying the show as always. That's That sounds like a cool game. Check it out. I've seen the videos of it. It does look neat. I don't yeah, think that too. it would qualify as 
a space sim by uh, Jeff's standards because anything I like does not. Um, but it does look cool. Um, it does look really cool. Yeah. So uh, it, it it wouldn't it fails the joystick and throttle test, Henry. I agree with you there. But everything else about it is kind of space simmy, right? You have to be in space. You have to put your ship together, kit it out with different weapons, and it's just and, like Kerbal. Well, but but the thing is, you're you don't you you're guaranteed the ship is going to work, right? To some extent, like you'll like once you put the pieces on, the ship will function. So to no make it a space sim, your ship has to work. Tell At SpaceX some level. that. Tell I think, Bur- yeah. Or, uh, Virgin Galactic. <laughs> I that. don't buy that. <laughs> I don't I buy don't that buy either. It. That's the worst definition ever. <laughs> Tony's like, hold on. I'm going to come up with another rule for space sims. See? I have no. to pull this no. right out of my ass. Deny. It's, it's the Deny. eternal <laughs> argument. It's the eternal <laughs> argument that I'll never get old. But, you know, I checked this game out, and I think I'll probably – I put it on my Steam wish list, so – uh, as of the recording of this show, it'll be out in five days, and I think I'll probably pick it up because it does they look like a tutor- They have a tutorial on their website that shows you how to hook up an Arduino for, for making custom buttons and controllers dude, for it. That is so that awesome, dude. That is so cool. Yeah, no, they, uh, that, well, that, there's a YouTube link um, that he sent to us, uh, and it's Scott Manley. Uh, you guys might be familiar with him. He does a lot of uh, reviews and stuff. Um, but uh, he's at a at a conference, and they've got this game set up as a demo, and they've built and somebody built these huge boxes with all these rocker switches and and analog dials and stuff that are actually taking information yeah. from inside the game and putting it up on. They the, have it was they cool. Have, they it have diagrams cool. on the website for that, and they have the um, the screen print overlay. It looks like oh, so nice. you can do the labels for the buttons. And like, uh, and shows you where all the buttons are, and, how to, and and it gives you a list of how many toggle switches and stuff you need to build the boxes. Yeah, it, it's totally Hunt for Red October or uh, that episode of Star Trek um, uh, Balance of Terror with the with where they're playing hide and seek with the cloaked Romulan ship. Great episode. I mean, it, it's it. Yeah, it, it totally gives that vibe. That game totally gives that vibe. So I'm gonna, I'll, have, I'll to be ch- I'm gonna have to check that out. That's yeah, awesome. I'm gonna check it out too. I used to thanks be really for, into thanks, that. Thanks for writing in external controllers and things like that until VR, and now it's like, what's the point? Anything that's on my desk, I can't see anyway. I've got the dual joysticks. I've got a, a wheel where I can see them, but like boxes like that, I don't even see the point. I think VR is going to take all that kind of away. Look at but Shiv holding people up like Steam building controller. that stuff. But people like building that stuff, though. That's part of the fun of it, I think. I guess. So I, I, think I, it'll, I think it'll have its niche. I think it'll have its niche. I think that people, and I, I think the more control over you have over your experience, the more enjoyment you get out of your game. So if you're into, if you're into hobby crafting, that kind yeah. of stuff, yeah. you know, it's like my, my joystick and rudder stuff. I, I have the MFD panels from the flight sims, and I would love to use those in, in uh, some of these uh, space example. sim games. Good example. Yeah. Yeah, board Gamer's been doing something similar with um, he's making a star citizen control box and he has like covered to- t- covered toggle switches for eject and all sorts of stuff, big layout and whatnot. It looks really cool. Yeah, so I, I, th- I think there's a place for it. I mean, I think Henry's right. VR is going to take away a good chunk of that. And the better that people get in designing tactile interfaces for VR users that sync up, I think that would be like the ultimate, right? Like you could build a box that is maybe sort of generic in real life, but that when you look at it through your augmented reality or VR goggles, puts the right stuff on it. Um, you know, that that would be, that's kind of maybe the holy grail of it. But I think that the hands-on, physical, um, outside the game experiences, people still like those. Hell, look at all the people that show their mounting cha- pictures, you know, like where they put their, they mount their joysticks to their chairs and stuff or build their own little battle cockpits and things. I mean, people like doing that, and I think games like this that facilitate it, um, they'll, have, they'll have they'll have their niche. Oh, and by the way, Jeff just agreed with me, which hasn't happened for a while. 
And our new Patreon this week is Celebear. Yay! Yay! We'll also be our random winner as well. All right, congratulations. And this week's community question, ship designs, coincidence of happenstance, or bad management and own goals? And otherwise, how is the show? Are we probing and prospecting for the good stuff, or are we missing all the points of interest in the system? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on our show posts, which you can find on our website and over on our Facebook page. And that brings us to the end of episode 217 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 218 on June 26th, 2018. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, and our artist, Ben Sanders. And of course, our audio engineers, Mikey and Lennon. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Only the faithful will survive the inevitable, 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 in, inevitable, 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 inevitable. See, I'm saying that so you can cut this word in anytime you like. Inevitable. <laughs> you can also reach us out on Twitter. <clears throat> reach us out. Oh God. <laughs> you can reach I around us coming. on Twitter. I knew. I knew. I knew as soon as the wrong preposition was used, yeah. I knew that we would start the list, and I knew it was the you know first what? one. I, I don't yeah. want to disappoint. I, 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 You're welcome. Thank you, Tony. I do it Thank for you. you. You know, we always say Tony's a That's dick. Right. You got to serve him. <laughs> then Commander Kometic Impulsor locks you into discussion of missiles hang and torpedoes. Lo- lo- locks on. Oh, locks on. Sorry. Prepositions. Always the prepositions. Yeah. Is that is that a reach around there, Tony? No, it's not. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> Calling people who uh, calling people sphincters is, is, is we're, 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 let's not do that anymore. You call me a sphincter, I don't mind. Well, you know, and I, and people were giving, giving me reach rounds earlier, so you know. It's Eleanor okay, it's okay. Rebel writes in and says to say. This is Tony Flight Deck Sync One. This is Jeff Flight Deck Sync Two. This is Ken Shadow Flight Deck Sync Three. This is Henry Flight Deck <laughs> Flight Deck Sync Four, and Tony sucks. Sorry, Henry. You're not, so, you're not this is, sorry. This is Tony I'm on sorry. Henry Sink 5. This is <laughs> sorry on Henry Sink 3. <laughs> Let's do Flight Deck in 3, 2. It's more gooder. You guys got to watch your English. You're going to make Lennon mad. That's right. He'll, 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 edit, he'll, he'll edit you right out. and He'll just make you say Hitler instead. That's not proper. And he'll freak out. Inevitable.